Hi, and welcome to Transparent with Tina. I am Tina Marks, your host. Today, I am interviewing two guests at the same time. Uh, I've never done this before, and actually how it came about is even a little bit stranger. Um, I didn't know that I was going to be interviewing two guests um, until 15 minutes before the interview. And I've got to be honest with you, at, at first I was like, what? What do you mean I'm interviewing two guests? And it went from that to kind of freak out mode to going, well, I'm not prepared. I mean, I'm not prepared for this second guest. Should I reschedule? And, you know, I know that this, my first guest is extremely busy. So it was difficult to even get him in my schedule. And I thought, well, if I reschedule, then I might not be able to get him back in my schedule. And then all of a sudden I had a moment of clarity because I've been listening to Grant Cardone's book, um, The 10X Rule. And I was just listening to it a couple hours prior. And he was talking about coming from a place of yes. And oftentimes our best opportunities are presented to us when they're not in our schedule, when they are just, you know, dropped in our lap. And, you know, he says, um, what does he say? He says, um, you know what, just, take it and figure out the rest later. So I thought to myself, well, I have a couple choices here. And you know what, that one really resonated with me. And I said, you know, I've never done this before. We're just gonna see how it goes. I'm going to relax into it. And um, so I did. So I'm really proud of myself and I'm really so glad I did this interview. It was so much fun. It was such a, a, a learning experience um, talking to these two amazing individuals. And so we are going to bring them up next. Um, my first guest, he is a magician, he is an illusionist, he's a host, comedian, and actor, and she is a host, actress, and a dancer. Up next, Murray Sawchuk and Danny Elizabeth. Welcome. You too. I was a big surprise today, Danny Elizabeth and Muri Sachuk. I'm so happy to have you both here today. So as I was telling you both, this is my first time doing two people at one time. And, you know, at first I was like a little freaked out and I went, you know what? If it comes to you, just say yes. That's what I'm like <laughs> learning about it. At first I was hey. like, oh no, what am I going to do? Just being transparent. <laughs> Thanks for having <laughs> us thought, on. Okay. Excited to be on. What's that? We're excited but, to be on with you. So. Good. Thanks. I'm glad to have you both on. So what we're going to do, I've just kind of figured this out, is, you know, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. We're going to kind of alternate, maybe the same questions for both of you, okay? So let's just start off with you. Um, you're an illusionist, a, magi a magician, a comedian, an actor, and a host, okay? Yes. That's quite a bit of talent in a lot of different directions. So which one came first for you? Well, I think for me, realistically, when I started in the business, you know, I started when I was five years old. And I played the accordion and I Ukrainian dance because my background is Ukrainian, half Ukrainian, half Scottish. So my dad got me involved with that along with my mom. And so that was kind of my first touch into the entertainment business. You know, and I danced for like 11 years. I liked it, but I found other interests, you know, like music more. And I love magic uh, just for some reason. I just thought it was super cool. So um, so I kind of got into that in my 
my late, what, seven or eight years old. But when I really got into it, when I started actually doing birthday parties and making money was when I was like 12 or 13. So and then from then on, I haven't really looked back. So. so how did you do that? I mean, did you go to school for that? I mean, you know, magic is not, you know, something you just kind of, hey, you know, let's just kind of <laughs> practice this trade. <laughs> in fact, I watched your YouTube video about the homeless person you helped. Yeah. And I was like, how in the hell did he do that? You know, you got to. Yeah, right? When we get off here, you got to tell me how you did that. <laughs> <laughs> it's magic. Uh, you know, I, I got into it. Uh, I, I did magic because, I mean, I like school. I wasn't a grades in school. I could have been if I wanted to be. I just was very street smart about stuff. You know, I, loved, you know, I as a kid, I started working at the age of 11. I worked at a bakery and made pie shells for the bakers uh, in the evenings. So when they came in the mornings, they'd have stuff and pastries to fill and work on. So I'd, mm-hmm. after school, I'd always found different ways of making money. I, I had a paper route. And back in the old days, and I say old days meaning 80s, um, is that I had a paper route and every paper that was included in my paper, like a Dillard's flyer or a Sears, I'd get half a cent more because it'd be a heavier paper to deliver. At the same time, the Commodore 64 computer was invented. And I also used a program called Print Shop. And we had one computer in our elementary school that we could use for 15 minutes or 30 minutes, as long as we signed it out for that week. So I would make a, a Print Shop poster out of the old program. Then I'd go to like a Kinko's in uh, Vancouver, Canada, where I'm from, and make 280 copies. So then when I did my paper route, I would, uh, like every year, my dad would make me do leave raking grass, cutting or anything else. So I'd actually put flyers in my newspaper going, I'd rake your leaves for 25 bucks a yard, or I'd shovel your snow for 20 bucks a yard inside the newspaper. So I thought, well, I'm already getting paid to deliver it. Why not get paid to deliver it for my own shelf and make money on the side? And then that came into, as a magician, when I got to being decent enough, I would do the same thing for that. So that's kind of how my entrepreneurship kind of started. So where did you get this work, work ethic? I mean, you know, not many kids are like thinking outside of the box there. I mean, did your parents push that? Your, were they a good example or was it not like really. forced you on know, you? I just, I just was fascinated that, you know, if you could make money anyway. I just thought, you know what I mean? I, I remember at, the, at our church, you know, uh, my family's not super religious, but growing up went to church on Sundays and all that stuff, you know, raised Christian and all that. And on, like once a month, they'd have a swap meet at the church and people would bring all their old crap and sell it. And I thought, well, that's amazing. You have this old crap in your house and you're going to sell it and people give you money. I think that's where I first got the insight to seeing that you could make money, not from working at a department store or the post office or the electric company or whatever people do. I think I just saw, well, wait a minute, you could trade your skills like the old days, the revolution for money. And I just naturally did it. So when the, the first thing I ever remember making money on my own was t- tell my mom and dad, do you have a lot of old stuff that you don't want? Because I want to set up a table and rent one for $10 at the church rec center and, and, and do the swap meet. And my parents thought it was the greatest thing. And I think that's what I re- really remember learning to make money that way. And then I just transferred that to everything else, raking leaves, shoveling stone, doing magic. So it w- was it more out of necessity? I mean, were you, I mean, you know, just really to be direct here, were you, did, did you need to help your family or was it just you thinking outside of the box and being an entrepreneur at a very young age? It's just me thinking outside of the box, you know. Uh, my parents were very traditional. My dad worked for the railway. He mm-hmm. also worked for the policy. And my mom worked as a legal secretary until I was born. And then she retired, you know, and she volunteered and, and raised me. Right. My dad worked. So very so, school family. And, you know, when I have my clients, you know, it's always about the why. Why did you want to make that money? Why did you want to make the money raking the leaves or this or that? I mean, what was the idea in your head to do with that money? I think, I think for me, it was because my first thing is I wanted to have a car. You know, I wanted independence. I love cars. I wanted a car at the age of 10 or 11. You know what I mean? To, to mm-hmm. drive and do stuff. And I love cars. My dad had a bunch of old cars. 
So that was mm -hmm. my goal as a kid going, okay. And after that, I thought I'll buy a house. And then I just wanted a lot of things in my life to be secure, you know, and I was raised an only child. So I wasn't spoiled like typical only children are at least, you know, generically there. Yeah. Uh, because Mine is. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. See? <laughs> so, you know, but whereas Danny, she has two siblings, other siblings. So she was raised a little differently. You know? I always say he was so. an only child, so he must have been really bored all the time. So he had to do things like work to keep himself busy. You know, Danny, that's very true. So Danny, you have two siblings. Is that, is that what you said? Okay. Yeah. And, and that's very true. Cause you know, I'm a single mom. My son just turned 17 mm -hmm. and you know, it's, I always say two, two is easier than one because I was the playmate and you know, now he's graduating a year early and it's like, I feel this pressure on like, cause he doesn't want to go to college. He's trying to figure out what to do, you know? So I guess that, you know, let's just kind of go there. Danny, how did you find your purpose? Um, well, I guess that I, when I was younger, my mom always, my mom, uh, is a single parent of three kids and she always thought it was really important for us to be involved in every physical activity there possibly was so that we could, you know, experience different hobbies and things that we like so that we could dabble about and find something that, you know, hopefully we liked that we wanted to carry on doing. So when we were little, I did everything from ballet, which I obviously stuck that route because I'm still a performer and a dancer mm -hmm. to a uh, swim team, dive team, basketball, uh, soccer club, um, almost everything, a track for a little while. And so my ballet teacher was like, that is really not good for your turnout. I appreciate it. You stopped. Right, right, right. right. You can't so do both. Yeah. One season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I just, I fell in love with, um, and obviously when you're a kid, you can do everything. But um, when you want to get great at it, you have to spend more time at it. So once I got into middle school, high school, I had to choose. Do I want to do a sport or do I want to dance? And I chose dance. And, um, you know, from there on after school every day, I would go to ballet. And then as I got a little bit older, I started taking two classes. So three to four hours every day after school. And, um, and then I realized that I, I after, you know, because a lot of people will do things in high school as a, as a hobby or a sport. And then they're done after 12th grade. And I was like, well, there is no way I, I can be done. I don't, I'm going to go to college. I don't know what the heck I want to study, but I know I want to dance. So I have to do that somewhere. Right. So I chose my college based off of uh, the dance team, um, which was, I'm from upstate New York, and I chose UNC Charlotte uh, because they had a D1 um, and one of the top five dance teams in the country. And right. so I, was like, well, I know that'll be really competitive. It'll be good for me. I'll learn a lot. So my first two years of school, I went there solely because of the dance team. And, and then I ended up transferring, but I still danced while I was figuring out, okay, well, I'm in school, I'm spending a lot of money, so I should find something that I really do want right. to graduate with. And so then it led me in another direction, but the whole time I've always danced. And that's what helped me to, you know, five years later, start auditioning after school and, and land a professional job. Right. And then, so you, how, when did you go to Vegas? Uh, I moved to Vegas. It's been about eight and a half years now. So 2012, I lived in LA for four years. And at that time, I actually moved there while I was in college because I used my internship that I needed to graduate school with as a, a way to be able to move. Mm -hmm. So I went and I did an internship because uh, I was studying marketing. And so uh, that turned into a job position. And while I was there, it was just like I was in high school. I would go to work from 8 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., and then I would go into LA and I would take dance classes until about 10 at night and I'd go home and do it all over again. 
And then eventually I started auditioning and um, landed Jubilee, which was the show, my first show here in Vegas at Bally's. And I was up uh, in that show all the way till it ended. So it was about 34 years that the show ran and I was in it for the last four and a half years. And so right from there, I jumped over to Crazy Girls where now I host the show, which is a completely new experience. Um, and I, I got extremely lucky and very grateful for you know the producers of the show giving me the opportunity and encouraging me because as a dancer, you, you never think about a moment that you're going to speak on stage. But he was like, you know, you love to talk. You're from upstate New York. You're Italian. You're probably going to be good at this. And I was like, okay, if you think so, let's do it. Right. Just say yes, like you said earlier. Right? Exactly. You know, and you know, I, I've been listening to uh, Grant Cardone, who's going to be on my show too. And he was, I've been listening to his 10X uh, rule book. I don't know if you guys have heard it. I mean, I cannot get away from it. I'm making meals and I'm still listening to it. And you know, it's true. If your dream is not big enough, you're never going to, you're never going to go for it. And you, he, he's like, he's, I'm scared all the time. Yeah. And you know what? Say yes and figure it out later. So I just listened to that part today. I mean, I do believe everything happens for a reason. Everything's in synchronicity. I and mean, I'm sitting there going, because, you know, I, I honestly, transparent, a couple of months ago, I'd probably been like, you guys, we have to reschedule. This is just way too much for me. So, you know, what? and it's so, it's so beautiful the way this is unfolding. So that's, that's amazing. So going, going, so you, you had a purpose, you had a drive, you, you made it happen. And, and, and Murray, you, uh, you're from Burnaby, actually. Um, my first and only husband, uh, when I, he's from Vancouver and we, that he said, where do you want to live? I said, I, I don't want to live in the city. So that's where we lived. And so you made your way from Canada to obviously what LA first, or no, you know, now you're in I, Vegas. I, I moved to the States in 1999 and I moved there, uh, cause I was married my first wife years ago when I got married in 99 to Orlando, Florida. So I spent five years there uh-huh. and it, Orlando was wonderful, but the relationship didn't work out. We're friends now, but it didn't work out. So I had a dream of doing LA TV. She was already toured the world a lot. I played Europe a lot, but I never really played in Florida. I think I played Disney once for New Year's 2000 and a couple other gigs and that was it. And things were working out for us. So I was like, well, I want to do Vegas or LA. So I just started pitching LA and Vegas to managers, to bookers, producers. And got the opportunity, so I opened up my show, The Frontier, 2002, um, January 26, 2002, and then I haven't left Vegas. But I like, I can be, I'm close to LA for all the television stuff I do and all that, and then I'm also here in Vegas, which is my regular shows, you know, so it's great. So when was the moment for both of you that you felt like, you know what, I really got this. I mean, I know I can be a success at this, because there is that moment, there's that transition period. It's like, can I do it? Can I do it? You know? I'm really going to make a career out of this and really go all the way. So whoever wants to answer first. Um, I'd say probably for me, um, because I think every performer has a different story. And like Marie said, he worked on cruise ships for 18 years. And he started when, when he was little. I always danced, but never in a professional sense until um, after I went to school and I, and I was working like a nine to five in marketing in L.A., and finally, when I, I decided that I was going to audition, and it took me about a year and a half of different auditions and certain things I got close but didn't nail them. Um, I When I booked Jubilee and I moved out here, uh, that first month of rehearsals was up and down. I was like, oh, man, am I doing the right thing? Like, I should just move back to L.A. and get a grown-up job. <laughs> and then, yeah, and yeah. then once I, I got in and I got the swing, and I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I know what I can do. I know what I have to offer. Like, 
I want to ride this wave because once you get a taste of it, it's really hard to walk away from it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like God, I think God puts a stamp on your heart. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what, what you find, you know, when you, what your purpose is, if it doesn't go away. Yeah. Because like for me, I, you know, I failed and I walked away for years and it kept coming back and I'm not young. I mean, I just turned 58 in November. So, and it's yeah, like, God, amazing. I, thank you. Thank wow. you. And I, <laughs> I'll share it with you. Good eating lifestyle. You yeah, look yeah. amazing though, too, but seriously, you know what, you know what I've also heard too, when you carry a lot of light, you look younger. Mm-hmm. Isn't that true? I mean, yeah. if you love life and life loves you back, you mm-hmm. look young, you, you aesthetically look younger. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, this show, as you know, is about entrepreneurs, how they made it, their struggles and everything else, how you found your purpose and, um, you know, all the challenges. So what would you say, Danny, what, what was your biggest challenge when you, when you said, maybe I should go back and get a regular job. Okay. Because I talk in my first book about there's, you know, everybody says, what's your plan B. Okay. And in my book, I say, I don't believe in a plan B because if you believe in a plan B, your plan A wasn't strong enough. That really wasn't your purpose. Right. Right. Um, And, and I guess that's pretty much what it comes down to is that I didn't have a plan B. And I literally, that's the only sentence that I ever said to myself in the first month that I was out here and things were roller coaster up and down. And just because it, it was like fish out of water, it was a completely new experience for me. So I was like, Oh, I had that moment. Maybe I go back to LA and get a real job. Well, I was there for four and a half years. And um, after my marketing job, because the company uh, was a startup and went under, I used that opportunity to, because I wasn't happy doing that all day, every day. I knew I had a different purpose. So I just did odd end jobs and continued dancing. So as soon as that sentence, that first month went through my head, I'm like, it would fly right out. So I'm like, well, that's not an option. So you know, pull up your bootstraps and go downstairs and rehearse for another two hours. (laughs) Right on. I love that. I love that. How about you, Murray? Well, for me, you know, I, I did, I started doing magic series when I was 13. And so I did, you know, I had ads out in papers and I started a business line in my bedroom because, you know, to have a, at that time, internet wasn't around. So you had a yellow pages ad and to have one, you needed a business line. You couldn't use your regular house line. So I had an ad and of course shows I couldn't do I would book out and I realized, wait a minute, I'm not going to just pass the show to a friend of mine. I'm going to take 10%. So I basically ran an agency for the shows I couldn't run. So I was already making, I was making money on shows I couldn't do. So I really learned just naturally how to make money that way. And then um, as I went through school and I got my degree in broadcast and radio and television, just as that plan B, because my parents wanted that. And I thought, all right, well, they're going to pay for my education. I'll do that. God, you've done a lot. You went through broadcasting. Yeah, but you're in radio and television. Yeah, broadcasting. How? Okay, I'm not going to ask you are, but anyway, go ahead. It doesn't yeah, seem like you what... could be that old to have gone through all this. Yeah, right? So, <laughs> yeah. I, so I did that just to appease my parents. And also, I like radio. And I thought, well, if i got to get a real job where I, I, have a, I can work in Vancouver or I can do something that's good to fall back on. I like being on the air. I like talking to people and stuff. So I have that. But I didn't want to go to some small town of 800 people and make, you know, 800 bucks a month, you know, because I'd already, at this point, when I was 19, when I graduated from college and all that, so I graduated high school when I was 17. And so enough as I was, 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 was smart, it was because my birthday's in November and it just kind of ran that way, you know. What, what's but your birthday? November 25th, 73. Okay, so you're right after me. You're not a Scorpio, you're a... Yeah, I am. Scorpio, yeah. You're a Scorpio? November yeah. 19th. I'm the 13th, sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Passion, pa- Hey, guess what? I just had a uh, um, uh, psychological astrologer, Dr. Uh, Freed, on the. On, I'm a triple Scorpio. 
Uh, and I'm a tiger in the Chinese zodiac. Wow. I'm like, seriously, what did you forget up there? Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great for entrepreneurship, not a lot, you know, other yeah. not for good for relationships, that's for sure. But yeah. <laughs> just, that's my life path, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway. So, yeah. so anyway, so I did the whole Yellow, Yellow Pages birthday party thing, because the only way to make a lot of money in a city like Vancouver, uh, when you're not, you know, when you're not David Copperfield or Houdini is to do birthday parties, to do corporate shows, you know, and I was doing three or 4,000 a month at that age. It was pretty good money. And, oh. you know, and I thought, well, that's, that's pretty good, but I really wanted to be more popular. I'd like to be, I kind of want to be famous. I love people on TV. I kind of wanted that as well with it. And this is way before the Kardashians, you know, I, I was watching Knight Rider. That's who I wanted to be, you know, and all these other shows, you know? And so nowadays I think everyone wants to be a Kardashian. Yeah. They realize how hard it is to be a Kardashian, but, um, but anyways, so I did all that and then I wanted a bit more. So I started picking myself a cruise ship, international hotels, like in Japan and Asia. Cause I realized my look was a little bit different. I had blue eyes, blonde hair, and then I was getting better at magic. I'd won some awards. So then finally I got this opportunity when I was like 20, my agent at now, my, um, I sent this guy who was a big agent in town and he had no reason to book me. So I really wasn't that good, but he booked me on a cruise ship and it was for $1,100, um, a week. American and I was Canadian at the time, still am, but that's where I was living. So, you know, $1,100 at that time, American is about $1,800, almost $2,000 um, uh, Canadian, which that's a lot of money a week right. for anybody, especially somebody at 20. And I thought, oh my God, here we go. And I got offered a two month contract and a cruise ship leaving Montreal to New York and back. And he said, Do you have, I need you to have two 45 minute shows and a 15 minute, and they all have to be different. Do you have no, that? No, was this for magic or was this for comedy? For magic. Yeah, okay. for touring. Yeah, it was my show. Okay. So do, you have, do you have two 45 minute shows and a 15 minute extra? And I said, of course I do. I barely had 50, I barely had 45 minutes of that material, but I hung up the phone and it was on a Tuesday and he says, great, you're going to get on the ship on a Friday. And okay. I almost fell over because I thought I don't have any material. I barely have 45 minutes and most of it's for kids. Um, but I thought this is my opportunity. Uh, I'm going to say yes. And I've always, I've always lived by that. Always say yes. Because the minute you say no, you shut that avenue off. Uh, if somebody calls you, say yes. You can always call back a day or two later and say, you know what, not the right fit uh, or it's not going to work for me or whatever. So the minute you say no, you cut all opportunity off. And I've always felt that in my life ever since I was a kid. So I've always said yes. And then later on, sometimes I go, you know what, maybe can't do it. You know what I mean? But um, anyway, so I said yes. And I bought a bunch of magic. I didn't have any clue how to do, but I knew I had enough for that cruise from Montreal to New York. Cause there's different passions, seven days down. And you have a new seven group of passengers, seven days back to Montreal. So it's a two-week cruise. So, but some of the passengers that are on the ship, they stay for two weeks, not one week. So that's why you needed two sets of material because there's people coming back to your show. Right. So they don't want to say the same thing. Yeah. That's right. So, which is great because it really forced me to get good at a lot of stuff I wasn't. So literally there's a big magic shop in New York City called Tannins Magic. It's the biggest one in the world at the time. And you had to buy it from a catalog on a phone because once again, no internet. And so I... I called him. I, I opened this catalog and I probably bought a thousand dollars of material. This is stuff that I knew would work if I learned it. So that trip going down to New York, I did the show that I knew and put together the stuff as adult-like as I could. And I got the stuff at the pier in New York City. And I had three days before my next show going back to Canada. And I learned all this material and put this next 45-minute show going back to Montreal. And looking back now, I'm sure it was crap. But I didn't blow any of the tricks and I made enough and from then on, I actually extended, I extended my contract five more times and I spent seven and a half months on the ship. And that's when I, my moment was, I knew I could do it. And I figured like, that's you know, when you, because you push yourself way beyond your limits. It's like, oh my God. I, 
I think, you know what? I don't think the universe ever asks you more than you can deliver. Do you agree? I mean, we're the ones who put the limits on ourselves. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's being asked of you, it's obviously you can do this. And so, you know, I think this is, you know, I want you guys to speak to this because, I, you know, this is a lot of what this show is about. I mean, I want to, my audience, I want to bring hope back into them. I want, you know, people to A, find their purpose. And that's why I bring all different kinds of guests on here because if they're going, I don't know what my purpose is, maybe by listening to you, they're going to be like, oh, you know, I never thought about magic. Oh, I never about, thought about dancing or hosting a show or, or, or being in a show. And, and, and then how you overcome it and your mindset of it all, right? I mean, it's like, you know, breaking through those barriers. So yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, so what, what was the worst? Can I, you've already kind of said, Danny, I mean, was that the absolute worst for you? Were you ever like on the floor crying, going, There's, I, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. My body, my mind, I, I'm just done because I've been there. For sure. Uh, for sure. And at different moments, because sometimes it, even though you're doing something that you love, uh, doesn't mean that you're going to run into another little hurdle in the road three years into doing it. And yeah. towards the end of Jubilee, I honestly thought that I was done dancing and I was done performing because um, I, our very last show that whole week or two weeks, I had um, something called plantar fasciitis. Yes. Where the muscle of your heel separates from the bone and yes. it's, it is, uh, it's like walking on uh, pins and needles and fire all at the same my, time. But my best friend has that right now. Yeah, yep. it's terrible. Um, and I was doing everything right. But when you're in heels doing two shows a night, um, just that little break of being out of a uh, sling or cast or what have you, uh, it still, it takes way longer to have the situation heal. So for the very last show, um, I was going up and down the stairs and using crutches to and from the stage. And um, our one number that we do is like a kick line number and uh, we were marching. And I just remember though, thinking like, if this is my last time performing on a stage ever, which maybe it is, I don't know yet. Don't know where I'm at with all of it because there was so much going on. The show was closing out of nowhere. Everybody was emotional and my body was just broken. But I was like, I will be on that stage with everyone. I will close out this night. And, um, and there were tears running down because as we were marching out and stomping, it just shooting pains all the way up to my stomach. And I was like, but I don't care. I must be here and the rest, I'll figure it out later. And, um, and so after that show, uh, you know, I, I actually had gotten a job offer at crazy girls and it was the only show that I auditioned for in town because I saw it and it was, there was just something different and special about it that, that I was like, okay, well, if I were to still perform. I think I, you know, that would be the show I'd want to do. So I'll just throw it out there. And, you know, I was kind of 50, 50 about it, if I even wanted to do it. And sure enough, um, out of all the auditions I've gone to my entire life and uh, hardly got any of them, sure enough, at that lowest point, uh, physically, emotionally, and mentally, I got that show. And so I was like, okay, well, I need to heal this situation, uh, but I need to do this. I, I'm, there's no, I can't say no to this have to I, I felt too like you're you just get that feeling in your gut when your gut and your heart connect something yes happens. yes yes and you know I heard you say I threw it out there so do you set intentions like now daily I mean and it works right I mean because this is what I want people to understand it's like you know you either live your life that by default 
You wake up and let circumstances lead your life. And, and then you be, you're the victim. And I was there. I mean, I've been all over the place, you know, and now I'm on the other side and that's why I'm doing this because you know what, your life can be joyful. I'm not going to say there's not going to be a lot of challenges and it's not going to take up a lot of your time. And you're not going to feel like I'm, you're going a little crazy sometimes, but you know what, when you set the intentions and you reach one, and then here's the one thing with my clients is they don't celebrate their wins. And I think that's very, very important to reset, reconnect and keep going. Because if you just, like I used to be, I'm such a slave driver on myself. I hit my goal. And then I, I'm like, without praising myself, I'm on to the next, I'm on to the next. And I was talking to my best friend. I'm like, why am I up and I'm down? I'm up and I'm down. She goes, what, like, are you taking time? Like you're depleting yourself. Right. Right. So what do you guys do to reset? What do you guys, do you have a morning routine? Do you do anything to like get you in the, the, the mindset, you know, for, for the day? Because, you know, every day is challenging, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I have a set pattern. I'm a workaholic. So that's my weakest and strongest thing. You know, if you live with me, it's a pain in the ass. You know what I mean? Um, if you're just <laughs> me, I love it. Uh, but you can ask Danny that, you know, I don't slow down and I, and I have a lot of energy and, um, and I'm just a workaholic. I like money. I like success. You know, I like doing what I do. I'm, and I like waking up and doing what I want to do. You know what I mean? Um, I, I don't want to work at a Home Depot or a Starbucks, which they're great companies and they have great medical plans. And it's a great form of a living. A well, you're creative. I mean, no, that way. It's not who I am. I could work there and do great, but I want to own the company, not just work there. That's, that's my mindset. That's who I am. I've never changed. This is the way I am. Right. So my routine in the morning is I've always, you know, I, you know, wake up, make coffee and I read a newspaper. I think I'm one of the only people in Vegas still gets an actual newspaper. I like, and the reason I read a newspaper not online is because I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. You know, online we get drifted away for hours because we hit the ad or click the suggested thing. And I like to sit and read newspapers. It's all I got, but you can't take me any further than the newspaper. And it, it paces myself for about half an hour because once I, and I'm always in my robe, I live in a robe, but the minute I change, have a shower and shave, um, and I, and I start the day, that's it. I'm going, cause I have a list and I write a list every night before I go to bed. Um, actually in ink and pen on a piece of paper. I don't put it in my phone. Right, miss, right, right. Phone, very, very important. I think. Yeah. The whole day is gone to shot if I miss one thing. And with a list, I can actually see before I go to bed and it could be as small as go to the gym or do the laundry or hang a towel out if it's something that needs to be done, you know? Um, and, and I, there's something very satisfying checking something off a list. I love crossing. Yes. Maybe yes. Because you don't know how far you've come. You do That's all right. this. You do, and unless you check yeah. it off, you go, I didn't really do that much, yeah. but if you check it off and, and one other thing that you said that is very important is doing it the night before, because yeah. some, you know, I, I don't know. You sound like you just wake up and you're like ready to go. Yeah. I'm not that gal. Me okay? either. <laughs> I have to. I have to get to that place. I, I wake like up with so many thoughts going, oh, you know, I'm just, you yes. know, so I got a morning routine. I got to do my journaling. I got to do my affirmations, my meditation, my visualization. Then I'm there. Okay. Mm-hmm. But doing it the night before, and that's what I recommend my clients, because then you already have that to go to. If you got to do that in the morning, forget it. Go, yeah. Forget it. I'm not yeah. doing it. It's too yeah. easy to slip out of that. Right. Maybe the nice thing with Scorpio nice, thing, Danny. Yes. <laughs> nice, a nice thing with the list is, for me, with the list is when you do wake up in the morning, you start thinking of other things, right? Yes. You, oh my God. So now it becomes too much and you don't exactly. do anything. And when you have that list, you go, and like I said, it'd be major things. Like have a big uh, meeting with a company that might hire you. It means it could be some major things in there, but it could be small things like doing the laundry or planting a flower in the backyard and sat in your patio for a month that you've not put in the ground. I mean, it doesn't right. have to be 
life-changing things on this list. But when you see that, then when you wake up and go, oh my God, I forgot to make, make sure I buy this present for grandma or I got to go send this letter to get a job, add that in there. But if you don't do it, at least at the end of the day, you can go, oh, I'm going to bump those till Tuesday. I'll to the next day. But you said something very important. You said if there's too much, you won't do anything. That's and right. I call that paralysis analysis. And I used to live like that. Yeah. I would get so overwhelmed. I mean, I would just do nothing. And, you know, this is a very true thing that a lot of people go through. So great, yeah. great input about doing it the night before. Danny, you and I do a morning routine to get in our space because you know what, if you, if you wake up in the morning audience and you don't feel like, you know, Cinderella with the birds coming yeah. <laughs> putting your bathrobe on, I always put that analogy because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, not happening. Yeah. It, it takes work to get there. And once I'm there, I'm there. So, you know, it's, it's just readjusting your mindset. So yeah. the two of you now are in a show together, right? Is it the, at the Luxor? Yeah. Yeah. Because the way the world's been opening up, as we all know now, it's been slow. And I, I was lucky because I, I have two shows. My main residence show is at Tropicana. I've been open. Yes. For the, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So that's been in November. So we had lower capacities, 35%, 25%. Now we're 50% capacity. That's been going on because I my shows within a comedy club of 350 seats. So we still can do a show with 78 people, make money, and we've been selling out since November. Now, our other show we're in is called Fantasy. And I just do a guest spot. I do 10, 15 minutes in the show as the comedy guest act. It's a topless review show, a burlesque show. I've been here for 21 years in Vegas. Okay. And since Danny's show isn't back, I'm dear friends with the owner and producer, Anita Mann, who's phenomenal. She wants some bigger tricks and illusions in the show, like big cutting in half boxes, really magical magic. Um, not all comedy because it's the theater is a 1500 seat theater, even though we're only allowed still 250 people in it. Mm -hmm. So that's when during the pandemic, I started teaching Danny a trick. She's not a magician's assistant. She never really wanted to be one. She's a dancer and a host. But because she's she is a dancer, she's flexible and she was interested. I thought, well, let's do this. So we did it for fun over the pandemic. And then when Anita said, I want you to use the bigger tricks in the show, are you cool with that? I said, yeah. And I got, I got Danny as well, who's down to do it. And she's also a professional dancer. So she even looks like the show and suits the show, you know? Yeah. So, that, so yeah, we're doing that uh, four nights a week. Like this week, we have three shows a night, Thursday through Sunday. Um, and it's great. And she she loves the show Thank until you. her show gets back and everything else. So it's, it's been good, you know? Danny, does he still crack you up? Hmm? Does he crack you up? Oh, yes. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> you look like this. You look I was like a Q-tip. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. don't look like you're from Canada. That's for sure. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yeah. Okay. It's been a lot of fun working with him too, you know, and just being able to be on stage in that capacity because we've always done our own thing. So this right. is the first time that we actually get to be on stage together and, um, and you know, uh, perform a little bit where, you know, we need to be with each other to do it. So, for example, um, with the illusions that he does, uh, you know, usually you don't have an assistant that's five nine to put them in those tiny little boxes. <laughs> so, so you know, those, the, and then we just have such fun and, and funny little moments. Like you know, and recently when I was in one of the boxes, um, there was like oh, a couple of different things happened. And so I'm in the box and I'm like, no, hold, hold, like because there was a bright light coming through and. And he'll be like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> just have these little comical moments just because of what happens on stage. And then, you know, we get down to the dressing room and we get to sit there together. And, and we used to get home from our own shows and talk about all the things that happened individually with our own shows. And now we get to talk about the individual things that happened within the act. During the show, yes. So yeah. you, you guys can keep each other in check. It's the synergy. Mm -hmm. It's everything else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So let me ask you, Danny, any, any young woman that wants to be getting in the entertainment business, okay, you got to be, you know, consider social media. I mean, that's just a comparison game right, right there, okay? And then there's like, oh, there's so many other people out there that want to do the same thing as me, and especially in the entertainment business. I mean, what yeah. can you give three, one, two, three takeaways of, of guidance for them, direction, or, or any kind of, yeah, any kind of great takeaway? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the main things that I think people tend to forget a lot is um, uh, be careful about burning bridges because the, like any industry, it's very small. And when somebody gives you an inch, you know, take that inch with so much gratitude and be grateful um, because it all it takes is to, to ruin one small opportunity and then you get closed off from many other opportunities in this town and I know it's like that everywhere. So I think it's remembering to say yes to everything, um, be grateful and you know, genuine, sincere for the opportunities you are given. Uh, you know, leave a job properly, just like any job position, right? Mm. And I, I think sometimes performers take those things for granted and, and might have a little bit of the diva attitude and forget that. Uh, no matter what level you are, you know, if you're a, a backup dan dancer uh, down on Fremont Street or Bruno Mars, if, if you have gratitude and you're humble and you thank the people around you, I think that's life-changing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, obviously saying yes, and also you mentioned something earlier about setting intentions because uh, I tend to be one of those people and I'm like, I want this, I want this in my life and I'm gonna put that out to the universe and then help manifest it. I've realized over the years that um, the more specific I am with setting those intentions, yes. the less chaos I'll feel when they actually flood in. Uh, yes. And I was telling a girlfriend about this the other day and she was saying how you know she wants she wants a, a boyfriend and, and you know she's had some terrible relationships in the past and I said, but don't just write down on your manifest uh, list, you want a boyfriend, be very specific so that you don't get the same cycle. You know, say you want this boyfriend to do this, this and not this and be this. The more specific you are, then the, the better it comes to you. Absolutely. Your mind will go search for that. I mean, that's what, you know, when, when I, my clients are doing a business plan there, I want financial freedom. What does that mean? Yep, Let's yep. break that down. Do you want to save money for an income property? You have to be right very then. specific. Give it a date, give it a number, give it a why. Exactly. Right, yeah. I love I that. Mean, and you know, yeah, what? I, I also, yeah. And you know, um, my, my nephew who um, is, is an actor now, and he's actually on the hit show, uh, Never Have I Ever, the mm -hmm. Netflix series. Yeah. He, when I interviewed him, he said the same thing. He said, you know, Tina, he, you know, was always so respectful with the casting people. And, you know, he had, he had shared that, you know, he had gone on one casting and there was one, an actor that was, you know, acting like a prima donna and he whispered in his ear, man, you're not going to last very long here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You have to be, but that, that goes, whether it's in your job, your personal life or whatever, right. you've got to be respectful. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. How about you, Marie? What do you got? I don't know. I mean, it's, I think a bunch of things, but I think whatever you're doing, do it as if you've got the job already. So, you know, don't do things like that. Yes. So I, I know it's hard because when you're motivated and you have a goal going, Hey, I'm going to get this job. I'm going to be a surfboard instructor in the Bahamas, July 5th. Well, you have that goal, right? But when you, when you want to be a surfboard instructor, but you have no Hawaii or no Bahamas to go to, it's very hard to get motivated, but you have to think about that and want that. So when you are teaching your local pool or whatever you're trying to do to become that person, do it full out and do it right and do it the way you do it. If you actually got paid, real money 
and do it full out. The same as when I learn a new magic trick and I tell people who's in it, whether you're a dancer, singer, magician, juggler, musician, um, play that song like you're at Carnegie Hall. You know, do that comedy like you're at the Apollo, the Apollo Theater, you know. Um, even though you're in your bathroom looking in a mirror, trying to be good at whatever, uh, pretend you are on that stage, you know, uh, because that's the only way you can really meet uh, the strength that you can, you need to achieve and to mm -hmm. be that person. Uh, if you're mm -hmm. half-assed, you don't know whether you can do that. And also treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, mm -hmm. when I walk into a room, I'm, I, I consider myself very humble and laid back because I've done everything. I've been a busboy. I was a dishwasher. I fixed mm -hmm. bikes. I've done everything. Um, I've been with those people. And I and I could do those jobs again if I wanted to. I was good at them, you know, because um, everything I did, I, I wanted to be the best at. So treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, these, mm -hmm. if you are a big star and you're getting a liberal service and you're getting treated like great, when you walk by the janitor, say hello to him. He's got yep. a family or she's got a family and they're talking to the maid, even they don't, maybe don't speak English. Then if you know a little Spanish they, or whoever, whatever nationality is, use their language. Be right. nice, look them in the eye um, because they're the same person. They're trying We're to- We're all connected, man. We're all yeah. one. They're yep. trying to put food in their table, trying to pay the bills. They have dreams and goals. They may not be as large as yours, but they have goals. It might be just to feed their kids. Um, so don't ever disrespect that. So Love I've always that. lived my life that way. And, and then I'll never be satisfied to a point and know where, when you're going to be satisfied. For me, I'm never satisfied. Like I said, I always want to own the company. And then when I own that company, I want to own two more companies. So, mm -hmm. so for me, I've always wanted more, you know, when I got a show on the strip, I'd love to do two shows. Well, I'm doing that mm -hmm. now, you know, do I want to be on TV? Yeah. I'm on two or three TV shows, but, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mm -hmm. the way who I am. And, and that's not always a good way to work either, because there does have to be a point where you go enough's enough, enjoy it for a little bit, relax. Like you said, enjoy your successes for a minute, sit back because by the time yeah. you're dead you look back and go oh my god i never got to relax it's it's already passed me by but you know yeah you said a lot of great things there and you know it's like it's like children i mean like in this book that grant's talking about he says look at children i mean they're they're in massive action all the time they're creative and stuff and that's our natural state so you know what i think you know workaholic yeah you know maybe you could take some time but you know take a step back and celebrate your success and praise and, and then reset and go on. But you know what? I, I, I don't, you know, the whole goal is to be successful in every area of your life to keep yourself going, because I'd rather have that than to be complacent. And the longer I'm alone with my thoughts, forget it. It's down mm -hmm. to the bad rabbit hole. And I think that's <laughs> like the, everybody, right? I mean, seriously, don't leave me alone for too long. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the Alan. other thing you said, I love, um, Marie, is that you said, you know, it's kind of like what well, this is my interpretation of what you said is look at yourself as your future self. You know, even if it's in the bathroom, you know, imagine yourself, your best self. How would you act? How would you be? How would you be performing? Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, you guys are amazing. I can't wait to meet you in person. I'm going to be going to Vegas, not to, uh, well, we're, we're, I'm going to say goodbye and you guys stay on for a minute so I can say goodbye to you. Okay. So they can come tell us where they can find, where, where can everybody find you? All right. For me, you can find me at the Tropicana hotel, uh, in Las Vegas. You know, uh, we have shows there nightly. Uh, just go online. You'll see all the stuff there. And also in fantasy at the Luxor where they're nightly as well. And then okay. she's over at Crazy Girls. Crazy Girls know. at Planet Hollywood. Um, okay. How, how much in advance do you have to book tickets at this point? Uh, well, Crazy Girls, we're still waiting as uh, the state mandates are uh, lessening um, to open back up. So hopefully, hopefully get another month or two. It'll another be month or two. Okay. Yep. And in the meantime, I'll be with Murray at, at Fantasy. And then okay. you can find and me on Instagram at Danny Showgirl. <laughs> I was going to say, though, what's your Instagram? Danny Showgirl. 
Danny D A N I, by the way, right? Yeah. Showgirl and Murray. We also have a web uh, YouTube channel, uh, which is Magic Murray. I do pranks and all that stuff on that as well. So we okay, and we're going to put all that in the content after yeah. the show. So anyway, thank you guys for being on. Thank you guys for watching another episode. Um, if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, it's Tina Marks TV, and of course, the podcast is Transparent with Tina. I look forward to seeing you guys again next week.